Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation.com.
the foundation. That is J-A-E-F dot foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times, that we currently live in today. As a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with 
on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are and no one hears We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. Welcome back to episode 13 of the Christian Checklist. We are talking about how we should start being methodical about our Christian believers' walk of faith. You see, just like people who work in very high-risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, it's time for Christians to become diligent about having all our bases covered, all our spiritual bases covered. It's very easy for us to get comfortable in the parts of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us. And we end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk because sometimes it becomes uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with it. The problem is that as Christians, we can't afford to be too strong in one area and weak in another area because that becomes the opening that the enemy, the old serpent, the dragon, Satan, the devil, uses as an inroad into our lives. 
and this creates blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. You see, as Christians, one thing we must pay attention to is that you can't say that maybe you have a very strong prayer life, but when it comes to the area of praise, worship, and thanksgiving, that your strong prayer life will balance out your lack of prayer, thanksgiving, and worship. No, it doesn't work like that. So you can't say that maybe you pray, you have a very strong prayer life, but that will kind of balance out lack of reading the word of God. No. The all these the, the the seven muscles of Christianity, they all have to be exercised regularly. Because the moment one area becomes weak, it becomes a point. It becomes Satan's focal point. It becomes an inroad for Satan. You know, you can't say you read the word of God, but a lot. And you think that that will make up for not walking in purity, not walking in righteousness. And you say, yeah, I read the word. You say, yeah, I live a life of sin, but that's okay because... I pray that will make up for it. Or I read the word of God. Or I do praise and worship. It doesn't work like that. So unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look, look at it, unfortunately, we have to exercise all the seven muscles of Christianity. And I love that. I love how Paul paints this picture of urgency of how our Christian life should be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. It says, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all of this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should not what he wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. That's the picture painted here. And that's why I'm calling them the seven muscles of Christianity. Because we have to exercise them daily. In another translation, he says, isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize? Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. From a spiritual context, all of us, there's a race that God has set out for us. And his goal, the purpose why we are, or 
why we are on this planet, on this earth, is to run the race and be victorious. Now, in verse 25, it goes on to say, a true athlete will be disciplined in every respect. So you see that? Disciplined in every respect. Likewise, this is what I'm saying. We have to exercise all seven muscles of our Christian, the seven muscles of Christianity, all of them. We have to be disciplined in every respect regarding each and every one of these muscles. Practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our rest to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get under I get I get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. The seven muscles of Christianity are muscles that every believer must exercise regularly to be able to fight the good fight of faith. Remember, in this Christian walk, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So, these are the seven muscles that we are looking at. Number one was the word of God. Number two was prayer and fasting. We've spent the last three or four episodes talking about number three, which is meditation. And now we're on to muscle number four, which is confession. Confession, confession, confession. Thy power is in confession. Now, it's very key because confession releases the faith in us. There's a couple of scriptures that I've mapped out that will lay that will help us to kind of build ground for the power of confession and why this muscle must be exercised. So the, let's go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be going around the, the different, the, the, this whole landscape of confession. This is one of my favorite muscles, by the way. But I must confess, pun intended, pun not intended. No, pun intended. I must confess that, <laughs> you see, I did start to see that I was getting very strong in this area of confession. But then I realized that there's some other muscles. You see, the, the thing with all these muscles is that we need to exercise all of them. So for me personally, I did realize that there's a point in my life where I was heavily relying on this muscle here. And I was not adequately exercising or sufficiently exercising uh, the muscle of prayer and fasting, uh, the muscle of, 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 of heavy word of God, uh, meditation, 
So it was working, but I realized that you can't live your Christian life on 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 only you know confess it and claim it as as some people like to use as a slight on 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 this muscle called confession in this area of confessing things over our lives so that's why i'm saying that we have to exercise all of these muscles as often as frequently as we can so the first evidence we have of the power of confession is in the beginning genesis very powerful right the scenario set in genesis chapter one i believe is the grandfather of all confessions it says genesis chapter one verse one says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters okay and the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the waters now pause the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the waters now the power of confession really kicks in in verse number three then god said let there be light and there was light so you can you can already see the stage here the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the waters but nothing was happening it was until god said something that something became so when the point the first point that i that i mentioned a few moments ago was that confession is very key because confession for us christians is how we release the faith that is inside us we can only release our faith by confessing it and also confession is how we put the sword of the spirit which is the word of god into action so even god as the scripture says who calls things that be not as though they were so our creator could have stayed there and the spirit of god could have hovered over the surface of the waters for a thousand years two thousand years and nothing could have happened but it was until the spirit of god was accompanied it was activated the power in the spirit of god was activated by the voice of god the voice of god is what activated the spirit of god the spirit of faith in god for creation to start happening you have to say something then god said something and then it became nothing that god created he created it just just by sitting quiet and being still no every 
thing that was created that came to be God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. And then the spirit took that matter. I believe, and this is, oh, this is a deep, this is a deep study for another time. But voice activation has so much power and potency in it to sound to if you to start up um basically to initialize particles to move now i believe it whatever god said the frequency with that which came out then the spirit of god basically um transformed basically brooded over that frequency and molded that frequency so how is it that you can hear these the, the sound activates energy how is it that you can hear a bomb how does a bomb blast a mile away a kilometer away or half a kilometer away, how can it cause glass to shatter over a mile away? So sound energy is real. Sound energy is real. When you speak, there's a disturbance that you cause those particles to move in a certain direction. It's very powerful. There's a study, and I think um, it's in one of our series. I think it's quantum faith meets quantum physics, where we dive into these. So that's not really the focal point today to go into the science behind why voice activation is needed. But one thing that we can learn and take away is God said he activated physical matter by saying something. So if God said, that means you as a believer, you have to say. So basically the, if you look at the, the maybe gestation period or from the moment, if you look at something in a, in the spirit realm, by the time, it comes into the natural realm. These different stages that it goes through. So first of all, you have revelation of its of its availability in the spirit realm. So you make contact with its availability. How through the word of God. Okay. So the soul souls the word. So once you sow that word into your spiritual womb, as it says. Once it get it goes into your heart, it starts to affect things, right? But for for that seed to finally come out and bear fruit, for that seed, because it says the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. So for that word, which is spirit, to come from 
from spirit form into your heart to become matter, to become physical, to become tangible, it cannot unless you speak something. Speaking is the final thing that pulls it out from its conception. Speaking is how you give birth to faith. So the faith has been building up in your spiritual chamber, but it's until you speak that that faith is born. Until you speak, the faith is just in your womb. When you speak is how you pull the baby out of the womb. Speaking is how you pull the baby out of the womb. It's how you pull faith out of your spiritual womb. So, when the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters, when God said, let there be light, that's how he pulled light out of the spiritual womb, out of the Spirit. Because all things are in spiritual matter before they become physical matter. So, speaking is what pulls these things out of the Spirit realm and now brings them into the natural realm. Now, everything else, all the other muscles, the word of God, prayer and, thanks, uh, prayer and fasting, meditation, praise, worship, and thanksgiving, uh, journaling, remembrance, generosity, all of these other things happen inside your spiritual womb. This is the food that you give to the baby. So think about the word of God, prayer and fasting, meditation, uh, praise, worship, and thanksgiving, generosity, writing, general and remembrance. All these are things, these are nutrients that you give to this seed that is in the spirit womb. It's like a baby. Vitamins, uh, protein. So the, you, think of, you think of a mother who has received a seed in her womb. As this seed grows, um, the baby needs different nutrients. So the, the, the promise of God inside you that you have swallowed as the word of God now needs different nutrients to it. It needs prayer and fasting, it needs meditation, it needs praise, worship, and thanksgiving, it needs generosity, it needs writing, journaling, and remembrance. All of these things are the other nutrients that you are supplying to the baby in the womb. But this baby cannot be born. You need to pull the baby. So that you see, and, and now the trick which where for me I realized where uh, I had to hope, where I needed to dial back on my confession because I was releasing, I was trying, because we're saying confession is basically how you bring the baby out of the womb. Confession is how you pull that promise out of the spirit realm and pull it into the physical realm, right? So I did notice in my Christian walk that I was always trying to pull out the baby out of the womb before the baby was matured. So until you have enough nutrients of the word of God, until you have enough prayer, meditation, fasting uh, to remove unbelief, meditation, to believe for this thing for this thing to actually be in your spiritual womb and not in your mental womb. Praise worship and thank you. Until all of these things are cultivated around this baby, don't release confession. It will not work. It will not work. 
And that's why you may, we, you may not see all these steps here in Genesis chapter 1, but they're actually all involved in here before God said. If you realize God said was the last thing that was the last step for light, before light became, it was saying, and then let there be light. It was the saying, let there be light, and then there was light. So for light to manifest, the last thing that preceded it was God said. But before God said, you have to realize that the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, meaning the word of God was already in effect. Meditation had already happened. Generosity, writing, journaling, remembrance, because it says, before God said, you have to think about it in the book of Proverbs, it says, I was with him since the days of old, since before the foundations of the world were laid. So God had already meditated on how he's going to lay the foundations of the world, how he's going to create this, how this is going to be, what is going to be the force of gravity, what is going to be Aptos, what is going to be the law of dominion, what is going to be the law of increase. All of these things had been written out before the realm this universe that we're in was created. Before this universe was created, God, these all these things had already preceded the last thing, which is confession. I, so for me, I did when I was analyzing my walk. I said, "Lord, so a lot of Christians make confessions, and things don't happen because you are insufficient." In the other six areas so you're trying to pull the baby out before the baby is due no so what the lord has been really opening up to me says okay confession is the last thing is the last point of contact so if you don't have enough faith start up do not release the confession it will not work so Saying, now, there is power in the more you say it, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more you say it. But you need, before that roller coaster starts to work for you, before that, uh, no, that's not a roller coaster, before that merry-go-round, Whereby the more you say it, the more you believe it. The more you believe it, the more you say it. The more you say it, the more you believe it. The more you believe it, the more you say it. Before that can now start to work for you, you need to make sure that you have fed all the other six nutrients to this baby before you try to pull the baby out. So until you have a force field of faith built up, until in your spiritual womb, you're starting to have these birth pains. Do not bring the baby out. Confession. So all the other muscles had already been exercised by God before he put this specific muscle into use, before he exercised it. The last thing that we see before light manifested was God said. But before that, you see the Spirit of God says hovering 
over the surface of the waters. Meditation, there was the word of God, the spirit of God was already moving on the word of God. The word of God had already been established. Uh, he had already written out how everything is going to be. There were already books of it. Um, so all the other all the other muscles had already been exercised. And then we see, then God said, let there be light. So do not try to exercise this muscle when you are insufficient in the other muscles. At least get, get them going. Get supply some nutrients to that to, to, to the baby in your spiritual womb. You know, feed it some word of God, feed some prayer and fasting, feed it some meditation, feed it some praise, worship, and thanksgiving, feed it some generosity, feed it some writing, some remembrance, some journaling, and then you can exercise. Muscle number four, confession. So when you confess out of an empty tongue, it, it just doesn't work. It, it won't be as potent. It won't have that power. It won't really be that sword of the spirit. It won't be that, uh, that, that, that sword. It won't be, the you know, since the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it won't be as sharp as it needs to be to slice your enemy apart. It'll just be a knife. Think Basically, think of confession as, let's say you have a knife that is not sharp. And you're trying to cut a piece of steak or you're trying to cut vegetables. You are going to labor. You're going to need to do a thousand confessions to just take down a simple thing. That... And yet, if you had spent time sharpening the knife, by the time you slice, you only need one cut. You slice your enemy open. So there's a way in which you can either get there, try to take down the enemy with a thousand confessions, or you can sharpen your confession, and then in a few confessions, you move the obstacle in front of you. Okay, so we've seen the power of confession that our Creator, our Heavenly Father, Abba Father, He also had to play by this law. He, he this is this is everything that God has ever done. It was through His Word, and He spoke it. Now today, God speaks through us. So God needs prophets. God needs men and women of God to open their mouths so that the things in the spirit realm will come to be. Let us look at another scripture that really paints a strong, very strong argument, irrefutable argument of why we really need to exercise this muscle of confession. Because some people, they don't believe in this. 
Now we have extremes, people who just confess anything and everything. You see, before you confess, your confession is going to be birthed out of the word of God in you. So how did all of us become Christians? How did all of us become children of God? How did we enter the kingdom of God? How did we receive salvation? How did we enter this door of salvation? It was through confession. So if you are a Christian, born again believer, at one point, you must have had to make a bold declaration and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And this, we, all of us had to do this. So this is what Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, this is what, this is what it says. It says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So before salvation, again, the last thing that we see happening is with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But before confession is made, it says with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So there's a belief system that has to be in place upon which a confession is released and made unto salvation. So it so seems that the final, the final act in our walk of faith for victory has to be confession. So as someone who's heavily has a special interest in the healing ministry, if you are on a journey of healing, going on a journey of healing, prayer is different from confession. So you can pray confession. This is so prayer. The difference between prayer and confession is that Prayer is made to the Father, while confession is to the thing, to the mountain, to the situation in our lives. So after you've done all your praying, you still have to release a confession, something that boldly releases that new wave of frequency to stir up that spiritual energy to activate manifestation from the spirit realm into the natural. The difference between prayer and confession is that prayer is to the Father while confession is to the mountain. So someone who's bedridden, you read the word of God, you praise, you worship, you're doing these things, all those things, 
at certain point you have to utter the words by his stripes i am healed you have in your fight for divine health for divine healing you have to stand on the words and say cancer i cast you out of my body flu i resist you fear i resist you when you feel we all know that thing whereby all is well and then the spirit of fear starts to creep in and you can feel when the spirit of fear is starting to paralyze you it's almost like your body senses start to shut down your your tongue becomes heavy you start to sweat your heart goes up you 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 start to stammer and once the spirit of fear, which the Lord has not given us, he's given us, not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and, a sound, and of a sound mind. Once this spirit of fear is caving in on you, the fastest way to resist anything from the enemy is confession. In fact, I've heard of so many testimonies that first words out of your mouth matter. You go into the doctor's uh, hospital. Uh, you go into the doctor's office. They've done some tests. You haven't been feeling well. Doctor says, um, "The results have come back, and you have been diagnosed with this disease, terminal illness, something very serious." Now, first words matter. Also, in the art of confession, there is when the, there's, a, there's a perfect time to release your confession. And there's a time where basically you've missed your chance, where you have to wait for another opportunity. That's why I say when the spiritual womb, when the birth pains, have built up the per that's the time to release your confession so in spiritual law you don't release your confession after you leave the doctor's office oh that's not how this works no no no, no. i'm gonna have me some tea on the side here it's cold and this topic is very interesting. So I might be taking sips on the side. Holy Spirit, thank you. I really feel the Spirit of the Lord has uh, come in. So uh, I'm just going to let the Spirit of the Living God flow and take this conversation as He pleases. He has hijacked the mic. So I really feel this is very important to say to you. So why is it that let, let us look at this story there's, there's this example as i use the story of the, the 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 point that i'm trying to make to you is that let's say in your doctor's office the doctor comes in and says this is the issue you've been diagnosed with this now on the surface most people they keep quiet they, 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 they go home, they're seated quietly in the car. 
and then they call one or two people to tell them what the doctor said. But the most accurate time, the perfect timing to take those words of the doctor and basically it's like it's like putting a blanket over a fire right the best time because the more those those words that come out of the doctor they're words of death basically that's what the doctor has just pronounced over you so you may not see but the moment he says you've been diagonized with this thing and you have let's say 30 days to leave words of death have been spoken you do not you do not release your confession that by his stripes i'm healed no cancer i resist you uh diabetes i resist you you do not release those words two days after you have told everybody about your sickness, about your disease. No, you, 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 chances are you've lost the game. The best time to release a count, there's something called a counter confession, a counter confession. When something negative is spoken, you have to stop it right there and then because the scripture says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them of their distractions. Meaning even when Jesus was performing those miracles, and he would say things like, he would say things like, um, be done according to you. You know, he, he'll say, your daughter has been made whole. You know, the centurion, uh, the centurion um, man comes to Jesus, the centurion ruler, and says, my servant lies at home. He's almost at the point of death. Come heal him. Jesus says, I'll come heal him. The centurion says, no, I'm a man in authority as well basically long short long story short he says but speak the word only when jesus released that word that word started to formulate that word started to travel to his servant and started to affect his servant so when likewise but that was a word of life that started to affect a situation of death so likewise it's not when the doctor says you're diagonized with this that you wait two days after now for you to release your counter confession no because he has already started speaking death over you you need to do a counter confession the best time to do a counter confession is when you when you hear the first symptom when you feel a symptom in your body look at this immediate counter confession that jesus released about jarius's daughter this is for Mark chapter 5. This is very powerful. So in Mark chapter 5, Jesus is stopped in his tracks. The woman with the issue of blood has been healed. Now, it's very interesting. In verse 36, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. So actually, start from verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, Jairus. Uh, someone came from his house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any father? Listen to this. In verse chapter 36, I am showing you 
that there is a perfect time to release your confession. There's, there's something called a counter-confession in a negative situation. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken by this synagogue ruler's servant, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Why? why? He says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Why didn't Jesus wait and say, why didn't Jesus release these words? Because what happened there is that they, they, Jesus and the ruler of the synagogue, they started walking back to his house. Why isn't it that he? Re, why didn't he release those words when he got to the house where the where the where the where the dead girl was? Why? Why does it say as soon as he heard the bad report, he counted it right away? So the moment the doctor says this has happened, oh, the the first words out of your mouth should be. Doctor, I understand you're doing what you're qualified to do. But I believe that by his stripes, I am healed and I will beat this. This report will not be unto my death, but I will live. I will live and not die and declare the great works of my Lord right then, then. You have reversed the attack of the enemy because what you so the person who came and said, Why trouble the master? Your daughter is dead. It says, As soon as Jesus heard the word, as soon as Jesus had the confession that was spoken by that servant, he said to the rule of the synagogue, No, 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 no. He immediately said, Do not be afraid, only believe. Only believe. So there's a moment to release a confession. Someone says, um, there's a moment to release a confession. You know, some of the people that, are, that I'm close to, they, you know, we, we now laugh at these things because they know that um, I'm not going to budge when it comes to confession. My sister, <laughs> my sister was laughing because we were in a grocery store somewhere. And you see, okay, for instance, most people, they, okay. Do you know that every time when you're, when you're hearing the news, every time that you are on the news, and basically you tune into the news and then the newscaster starts to speak doom, death, and just negative things. He says, oh, the economy is gonna crash. Uh, the markets are, we're predicting a, 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 a bear market or the housing prices is going up. Uh, no family is gonna be able to afford it. The gas price is going up. Families are gonna be, uh, are gonna be pressed the newscaster is just doing 
what they what they're doing. But these spiritual principles that govern everything that happens in in this universe. What you don't know is that Satan also needs people to release these negative confessions into the atmosphere. The same way light cannot be created without God have spoken, without God having said something, is the same way the, the pestilences, the sicknesses, the diseases, before you will realize, even people will tell you this, but they might call them conspiracy theories. Before even COVID-19 happened, there had been, it had been already put out there. It has to be released into the atmosphere first before it comes in the natural. It is not when COVID-19 broke onto the scene that that was the first time. No, people had already been speaking it. Oh, there's a plague. And, and I'm pretty sure the people who, who were responsible, I think we can universally agree that COVID-19 was not just a natural disaster, natural pandemic. It was engineered and got out of the lab. But whether I think that information has come out and it's not about saying it's conspiracy theories. It was an engineered disease. Now, but before that, you can go back 10 years, five years, two years. You see different reports, different voices echoing a disease of this nature. So Satan also needs negative things to be confessed into the atmosphere for them to happen, for them to stick. Likewise, God needs things from his spirit realm to be vocalized for them to happen. So when you're on the news and the newscaster, you sit there for two hours, all you people who love to watch the news, for one hour, the newscaster is just bombarding you with every negative thing that's happening. He's saying, he's saying the matter rate in this city is going up. Uh, this is happening. This is happening. Their negative confessions are actually igniting those things to come in the spirit realm to they're pulling them down from the spirit realm and by confessing them that's going to be what now manifests them into the natural now so, once you release it it becomes like a thought that either the forces of darkness take on or the forces of good basically bring to pass so Oh, um, these, so, so while a newscaster is speaking doom and gloom over the economy, you can't just sit there for one hour and listen to someone talk negative things without saying something back. Why is this? Because <laughs> my sister was laughing at me because she said, you are really, you don't play about these things. Cause we were, we were at a grocery store and we walked in and you know how, like in the grocery store, I think it was shoppers somewhere and during the fall they just like to broadcast that it's flu season can't take your flu shot who said that this is flu season you see some people just go along with that but if i'm in the store and i hear anything coming through the speaker says oh we just want to remind you it is flu season i never just swallow that pill like i always counter it the moment I hear that word that says, even if it's coming from the radio airways, oh, it's flu season. That already is a, is a net that is being cast. It's flu season. That's a very wide net that this person is casting on all of us. 
I have to get out of this net. I remove myself by immediately countering that negative confession by saying, it's not flu season for me. And I keep it moving. And guess what? So many people right now have flu. I'm going on year number three. I don't have flu season. I don't catch, I don't cough. No, that's not my season. And it's because I am learning how the spiritual principles work that I'm starting to see them have effect. So for you, you might walk into a grocery store or you might be on the news and Wall Street Journal is just predicting a housing crash and you're in real estate and you just keep quiet. That's the, that's the time to say, no, I won't experience this. I won't partake of this. When, they, when they're proclaiming doom and gloom over the business, over your industry, that's not when you sit down and take all the punches, all the negative punches. No. And remember, the best time to release a counter-confession to stop the other one in its tracks is immediately when you hear it. Because it was immediately when Jesus heard this other person bring the news of death that Jesus had to counter the spirit of death. The spirit of death was, this person didn't know it, but basically they were a vessel of the spirit of death. Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. And he continued speaking this confession even in the midst of adversity. Because then he goes to the house and he sees the tumult and the people that wept and wailed greatly. And again, he releases a confession in the midst, a counter confession in the midst of death news. He says, and when he was coming, he said unto them, why are you making this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Again, he's now on the crime scene. He releases a confession on the crime scene where the, where the girl who was dead, we know she ended up leaving, she was resurrected, but he released a confession on the crime scene. Where is the crime scene? In the doctor's office. So it's not that you now go back into the car with you and your wife or you and your husband, you and your friend, after driving 10 miles, 10 kilometers away from the doctor's office where they pronounced your death report, that now is when you start to release your confession. No, you release a confession in the car, you release a confession in the crime scene. Where is the crime scene? In the doctor's office. When's the first confession supposed to come out? The moment the doctor says, you have six months. The doctor says, you don't have much time. Is the time you say, no, doctor, I understand you're saying what you have to say, but I have a lot of time. I stand on the word of God. He says, by his stripes I'm healed. I will beat this sickness. This sickness is not unto death. I will live and not die. There is a time to release confession. Basically, that's what I want to leave this first episode about confession. This, we're going to be here for some time. Buckle up. As I said, this is the one, this was the first area in my Christian walk that I really understood and I saw how many pitfalls we, that I put myself in, our family, so many times, so many snares, so many things I ended up going through in my own life that I should have never gone through because I never knew about the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, as the scripture says, and they that love it shall eat 
the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You cannot even play with this thing called confession. This is serious business. The, the, the takeaway for this episode, I want you to understand there is a counter confession to a death report, to a poverty report, to a sickness report, to a bill report. A text message comes in and says, you owe this amount of money and you know that you can't even, you know, it's maybe bill collectors chasing after you. You Even when it just comes in as a text message and you read it, you have a responsibility to counter that negative report with a, a counter positive confession. It was as soon as Jesus heard the death report come in, as soon as he had that word, that he released his confession. And then he also released another confession at the crime scene. Sela. This was episode 13 of the Christian Checklist series. In this episode of the Seven Masters of Christianity, we looked at master number four, confession, and how we exercise it. Why do we need to confess things? You see, confession is how faith is released. The final act before manifestation is a confession. We see this at the beginning of creation. Then God said was the last precursor to light manifesting and everything else that he created after that. The last precursor to attaining your salvation was also confessing that Jesus is Lord. In this episode, we also uncovered the time essence and sensitivity of when to release a confession or make a counter confession to any bad report you may receive. Jesus himself illustrated this when Jairus, Jairus' servant, came to them and told them that Jairus' daughter had died. But as soon as Jesus heard that word, he immediately told Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Jesus released his counter-confession to the report of death immediately the moment that he heard that report. But you see, many people today, including many Christians, just sit back and get pebbled by the angel of death through the daily news broadcasts. To them, it's just news as usual. But in the spirit realm, this is a strategy by the devil to manifest these negative projections in our world, in our economy, and our lives. So, in the next episode of the Seven Masters of Christianity, we'll continue exploring this muscle of confession. Your host for today was Calvin Kamanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
people can be against me This is the confidence I have that you never fail me The one who sent his only son down just to save me I'm fully not in love by Now I'm celebrating because of grace I'm elevated You are the one that gives me the life I live in All I am is you I'm celebrating because of grace I'm elevated You are the one that gives me the life I live in All I am is you I you say Oh my God you say that I Because of grace, I'm elevating. My God is bigger than no debating. Glory to glory, I'm graduating. Higher, 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 In you, my God. Oh no 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 no. King of kings and Lord of lords. Pray the morning star, you are my fire. Oh, you say Oh, yeah.